This is episode 202 with medical doctor, pro runner, coach, and someone who's getting their PhD in epidemiology, Ms. Megan Roche. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to features a practical conversation about running after your COVID vaccine and after a COVID diagnosis. Megan Roche is an elite runner, a coach, a medical doctor, and she's currently pursuing her PhD in epidemiology. She is one of the best people to talk to about this issue, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Now, if you're new to the podcast, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry to give you the knowledge, the mindsets, and the tools to get faster, stronger, and become a more capable athlete. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Don't miss our YouTube channel, where we have hundreds of videos on how to run longer, strength workouts, how to stay healthy, and run with better form. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. And I couldn't have made this episode without our sponsor, Precision Hydration. You can hear me discuss all things hydration with their CEO and founder, Andy Blow, in episode 147. I love Precision Hydration because they have a free online sweat test that will give you a personalized hydration strategy at precisionhydration.com. And our listeners can get 15% off your first order by using the code STRENGTH15 at checkout. That's precisionhydration.com and use code STRENGTH15 to save 15%. My guest today is Megan Roche, the 2016 USA Track and Field Trail Runner of the Year at the Ultra and Sub-Ultra Distances. She is a five-time national champion, a North American mountain running champion, and a six-time member of Team USA. She graduated from Duke University with a degree in neuroscience and received her MD from Stanford Medical School. She's currently back at Stanford doing a PhD in epidemiology focused on population health and genetics for athletes. This is a coronavirus episode. We're focusing on how to modify your training after a positive test or after your vaccine. Side note, please get vaccinated if you haven't already so we can all get back to big races. We're going to learn what the vaccine does in our bodies, the effect it has on athletes, the types of exercise we might want to be cautious about post-vaccine, what side effects we can run through versus what we should not run through, and more. Megan is relentlessly optimistic and is a geyser of information. You're going to love this because of how helpful she is. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Megan Roche. Hey, Megan, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. Wow, we were chatting before, and I just can't believe all the content and awesomeness that you've put out in the world since we've last chatted. So seriously, thank you for that. You're just like an amazing person in the running community and and honored to be on here. Oh, thank you, Megan. I promise my listeners I did not pay you to say that. Uh, I so appreciate it. 
And I'm so excited to chat with you. I mean, you are uh, getting a PhD in epidemiology. You're a medical doctor, and uh, you're like the perfect person to talk about these issues. Uh, so first, I mean, you're working on your PhD right now. How is that going? It's a wild ride, to be honest with you. So I don't know if I fully anticipated or fully knew what I was getting into with uh, signing up and, and doing this PhD. But it's been, I mean, it's been a lot of work. That's kind of the wild ride and a little bit uncertain. I think that's characteristic of all PhD programs. But just honestly, so fortunate to get to keep learning, to get to keep studying. Um, and actually, I was talking to you before this podcast that my population, so epidemiology is essentially the study of population health. And I get to define my population. I define this up front as athletes. And I just feel so lucky that I get to do this deep dive into the athletic life and look at things that athletes are experiencing from mental health to sports injuries, and now even COVID, um, which is a more traditional epidemiology study. And it's very interesting to see kind of that interaction happen of, you know, what are athletes experiencing during these times of of COVID-19? Well, that's just perfect, because that is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm sure it's been a little bit challenging over the last year competing with half the country who are now amateur semi-professional epidemiologists. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic way to put it. But honestly, I kind of love it because I think there's a lot of, before there was a lot of question of what is it, what even is epidemiology? My, my dad referred to epidemiology as WTFology. Um, so I think like the more that people can like do deep dives into the subjects, even if it's through Dr. Google, which may not be the best approach, um, the happier I am that, you know, this information is getting out there, that people are interested, um, that it at least sparks some public conversation. I wish it happen have to happen in the context of COVID and all of the struggles that people have had to go through over the last year, year and a half. Um, but it's just interesting to see people kind of take on this topic. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the, the silver lining maybe is that it was a learning opportunity for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a very difficult silver lining, but at the same time, more people are just so aware of public health issues that are, you know, just uh, really important in the community. And so we probably have a good amount of foundational knowledge in our listenership for this conversation. So, you know, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, how to think about your running and your training, both if you've been diagnosed with COVID and then also uh, once you get your vaccine, because there are some adverse side effects to getting the vaccine. Um, and so, a majority of us here in the U.S. have already been vaccinated, and it seems like every runner that I've talked to has already received their vaccine. So maybe we can start with just a basic overview of what the vaccine is actually doing inside of our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been fantastic. I think you talk about vaccine development and the sheer science that we've brought into this vaccine development as a nation, as a global force has been remarkable. And it's so wild to see that come together and create this, you know, this vaccine rollout process where so many in the United States have already been able to be vaccinated. And that's such a gift and such a gift of science and should also make us feel comfortable too about like, the trajectory of COVID going forward, the fact that we were able to develop this vaccine so rapidly is amazing. Um, but yeah, basically on a cellular level, what the vaccine is doing is it's inducing this immune response in the body um, so that you're creating antibodies against the COVID infection. Um, what's relevant for athletes is, is that inflammation is the hallmark of that response. And the inflammation is what's helping the body create these antibodies so that you won't get sick with the COVID infection. And I think what's really important though is, is 
inflammation can derail training. It can be something that we really have to listen to our bodies on. And so I think it's really important for athletes to think about the idea that yes, the science is amazing. Like we should get the COVID vaccine. It's fantastic for protection, but it is also providing this transient inflammatory response. And we really have to be careful designing training um, during you know that time period shortly after you've had the COVID vaccine. That's really fascinating because I think a lot of people who've gotten their vaccine are not worried about inflammation. They're worried about the cold or flu-like symptoms that they have afterward. And, and I know that there are such a wide variety of responses to the vaccine. So some people feel just fine. I know my, my grandmother felt great. And my wife, for example, was pretty much laid out for 36 hours. So what might account for the difference between people and how they respond to the vaccine? That's a fantastic question. Yeah. So underlying immune response is highly individual. Um, a lot of studies out there showing right now that women may actually have a stronger um, side effect profile to these COVID vaccines um, because the immune system is stronger. Same with younger individuals compared to older individuals. But that being said, I've worked with now coached a lot of athletes through both the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson vaccines. And there's been a wide variety of response. And it's impossible for me to predict as a coach. You know, someone who may have had a history with, you know, chronic disease or may have had, you know, more colds or flus as, you know, that I've seen them go through over the last couple of years, they may have been totally fine in response to the vaccine. And someone who's, you know, never missed a day of training, I've seen them been derailed for three or four days. And so it's really very hard to predict. Um, what I'm doing with athletes is I'm giving after the first dose, giving one full rest day for all athletes, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and just saying like, this is our insurance because, you know, the body is going through this inflammatory response. And it's really important to have this insurance of a rest day. After the second dose, I'm having athletes take that full rest day and then also two easy days before returning back into training. And then sometimes also tailoring that to what an athlete's feeling in the process. That's really interesting for you to hear because, you know, I had what I'll call a moderate response to my second Moderna vaccine. And you know, the, the, I'm so competitive. I was thinking to myself, well, I wanted to feel worse because that would mean I have a stronger immune system. So <laughs> on the one hand, I was like, I, I feel pretty, you know, halfway decent. This is okay. But on the other hand, I was like, ah, oh, man, my immune system isn't as strong as it used to be. Actually, it's interesting that you bring that point up too, is, is because I've seen some athletes who feel, I think there's also this sense of, I call it the side effect of the sense of joy that you get when you receive this vaccine. You're like, this is the, this is the culmination of science. You know, I'm doing my good for herd immunity, you know, and there's this like sense of joy and euphoria. And then sometimes actually I see a delayed side effect profile where athletes start feeling like four or five days after getting the second dose, first dose, even if they didn't have any symptoms within that first 24 to 48 hours, kind of feeling, you know, like training is 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 a struggle, uh, feeling fatigue, headache, even we've seen some musculoskeletal symptoms. And so sometimes there even can be that delay. And again, it's just so highly individualistic. Yeah. And let's move into talking about the actual training around the vaccine. So, you know, you've you've touched on this a little bit, but you know, let's say you get your vaccine on Monday morning. Do you think runners should maybe bank their run earlier that morning and, and run right before the vaccine? Or Maybe they can run right after the vaccine if, you know, they, they get it and then they have the opportunity to to go running immediately. Because I know a lot of the times the onset of those adverse side effects can take four hours, six hours, eight hours, or even 12 hours. So how are you thinking about running close to the vaccine? 
That's a, that's a great question. So what I'm having, what I've been having athletes do is making sure that their body is not, and I call it, please don't be shelled going into the vaccine. You know, we want your body to be able to mount this inflammatory response. We want your body to be able to have, I call an antibody party. Like let's start this, you know, let's have your body headed into this vaccine, ready to rock and roll and produce these antibodies. So I think it's really important not to be doing, you know, the day of, or the day before getting the vaccine, doing a hard workout or a hard long run and really allowing your body to head into this prepared and ready to handle what's coming ahead. Um, I think in terms of like thinking of the day of, I've had some athletes do easy runs the day of before getting their vaccine. I tell athletes probably best not to run immediately after having the vaccine. Um, and then certainly I, I recommend taking the rest day the next day. I have had some athletes who feel fantastic the next day after receiving their vaccine. And I'll get these text messages like, Megan, can I please run? I really wanted to run today. I'm feeling great. And my response to that is, is yes, I understand. Like you probably can run. That's I totally get that. But it's a question of like, are we rolling the dice with risk? And it's just not worth it given what we know about you know the inflammatory response, given what we know about the body being hard at work producing these antibodies. Let's just not take that risk. Let's play it safe. I think as a coach, you probably over-index on pro and elite runners compared with the types of runners I'm working with. Is that hard for a pro runner to hear? Like my coach is telling me that despite me feeling very good, I still can't go running or do they value that risk reward analysis? That's an interesting question. I would actually say this. So a lot of the pro runners that I have worked with, I think have gotten to that level because they are good at that very risk reward analysis. And I think have a complex understanding that, you know, they're throwing a lot at their body and it's important for the body to recover. And so actually a lot of my pro athletes have been on board with this. And I think the other thing too, that's nice is, you know, we started David, um, my co-coach and I, my husband started collecting data on how athletes were responding to the vaccine early on. And we were able to come, you know, for the athletes who are getting their vaccines later, come at this with an approach of data saying like, you know, it's just, we have seen some weird things happen post vaccine and it's just not worth taking that risk. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Now, what about the next couple of days? So you've mentioned, okay, the, the day after your first or second vaccine, we're going to take a full day off from running. Now, does that also mean like no strength training, no cross training? This is a, a sit on your butt on the couch kind of day? I have it be kind of an active day. So I say actually no strength training just because we have seen, so anecdotally, I have seen a lot of calf, Achilles, and tendon injuries following um, the first and second dose of the vaccine to a point in which I'm, you know, being really careful with athletes, especially if they have prior history of those injuries with workouts, with strength training, with long runs. Um, and so kind of keeping an eye on that. But I think it's great, honestly, for active recovery. I think hiking, light biking, totally okay to do post-COVID vaccine, especially if you fall into that camp of not having symptoms. It's funny because I have worked with some athletes who tell me before they're getting their, sec their second or first dose, Megan, like, I really don't want to take that rest day. You know, I, I think my body is going to respond to this. I'm going to be fine. And I get a text message from them, you know, six hours after the vaccine, like I'm totally laid out on the couch. Like this is not even a possibility for me to ride around the block. And so I think it just depends too on how an athlete's feeling and kind of how their, their personal responses to the COVID vaccine. And so after that rest day, do you then, is it like one easy day and then you can resume your training two easy days? How, how do you view that kind of transition period from resting from the vaccine to then resuming your training. And, you know, are there any markers that you're looking for or, you know, certain things that, okay, if you're not feeling this way, then yes, we can resume training. Or on the other hand, well, you're still having this symptom. So we're definitely going to still 
just keep your running easy until we can be more confident that you're feeling 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So from a coaching standpoint, it's truly all individual in terms of the athletes I'm working with. Looking at markers, heart rate is a great indicator, resting heart rate, which you can get from a Garmin, you can get from any sort of watch. I personally actually wear a Whoop and I'm fascinated by athletes' HRV responses to the COVID vaccine. And that can be a really helpful way to figure out how you should return in the training process and then just how an athlete is feeling. That being said, David, my my co-coach and I, we put out um, guidelines through Trail Runner Magazine that are more general just because I think it's really helpful. Not everyone is working with a coach to help guide them through this process. So in terms of even more general guidelines, what we're saying is that, you know, taking that full rest day post both, you know, first and second dose, one easy day after the first dose, and then two to three easy days after the second dose is kind of a good way to help structure this and guide this as a blanket statement with the understanding that it's just so helpful to consider, you know, um, heart rate, HRV, all of these different components in that individual decision making process. So you mentioned HRV, that's heart rate variability. Can you talk a little bit more about what you're actually looking for and maybe give a brief description of what that is? Yeah, so absolutely. So heart rate variability essentially looks at how the heart rate is varying beat by beat. And that gives an interesting indication to the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system is broken down to two components, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, the rest and digest system, and then the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight system. And based on how those two systems are interacting, you can get an idea of how the body is responding to stress, how the body is able to recover, how the body is able to adapt. Lower HRVs mean that the body is actually in this higher sympathetic state and may not be able to respond to training quite as well. Um, And higher HRVs indicate that an athlete may be able to better respond to strain or to training. Um, So for athletes, I often look for after the COVID vaccine, starting to wait for that trend for the HRV to start to go back up again. And that's when we can think about, you know, starting to restart workouts, harder runs, long runs, etc. And it's really about getting an idea of a person's overall trends. And so it's helpful not just to have the HRV surrounding the COVID vaccine, but to have HRV for weeks, months leading up to the COVID vaccine. So you can get a general idea of like where your baseline is. Heart rate variability is so fascinating. I would love to do a podcast entirely dedicated to that one topic because it's it's something that is I think is very counterintuitive that the more variable your heart rate can be from beat to beat the you know quote unquote better that is for your fitness level and and all that it's fascinating but quite a quite a uh, side route that we're not going to go down right now it's yeah it's very counterintuitive I actually just wrote a paper on this for class looking at the menstrual cycle impacts on HRV and I decided to do this paper because I was like I have a background in HRV this will be easy and the analysis for HRV is very complicated there's all this like time domain analysis frequency domain analysis and my mind was going bonkers trying to put this all together for this final paper for this class had no idea just how complex HRV is probably a good case study on metrics are good, but you have to know what to do with the metrics at the end of the day. And that's a great example. And and trending data points too, which I think is really interesting is, is, you know, one day is just one data point. And I think the same goes for HRV, though the COVID vaccine introduces this, this scenario in which I think HRV becomes heightened. And actually WHOOP has, I think, I saw somewhere out there, there's, it's a very, whoop can predict a very high percentage um, athletes who may have a COVID diagnosis based off of HRV, respiratory rate, some of their other metrics, which I also think is very interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we've talked a lot about time and when it's okay to potentially get back to your normal training and all of that. 
Now, what about specific symptoms that you might be experiencing? Because, you know, you mentioned like uh, some anecdotal evidence about more tendon injuries with COVID or the COVID vaccine rather. And I'm just curious if, you know, you're communicating with your athletes in the one, two, three days after the vaccine, are there any specific symptoms that might be red flags to you or that might be more serious than other symptoms that, you know, you might put the athletes training on pause or or otherwise just be more concerned? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, fever is one of those uh, severe headache. I've seen some athletes struggle with migraine headaches following the vaccine. Um, GI upset, so nausea, vomiting. I've had a few athletes struggle with vomiting. And again, these are more just like doing a deep dive into the body and understand that the body is really, you know, mounting this strong antibody response and experiencing these symptoms. The other things that I've seen too, that are a little bit harder to flesh out and diagnose are these periods of extended fatigue. So I have seen, seen some athletes struggle with fatigue for 10 to 14 days following the vaccine and trying to figure out and make, you know, trying to figure out a best plan to adapt to that. So I think, yeah, for me, I think fever, headache, nausea, vomiting, and then this prolonged fatigue, and just being willing to give the body grace, understanding that the body is going through this, you know, what I call this antibody party. It's a beautiful process that's fundamental to our ability to go out and, you know, now live somewhat more normal lives out there. Um, and just being patient with yourself in the process. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's worth saying too, that, you know, when we're talking about the inflammatory response that you get from the COVID vaccine, you know, it always reminds me that, you know, runners, typically think of inflammation as, as this thing to always be vanquished. You know, that's, you know, we want the ice baths, but inflammation is part of the training process. And it's clearly part of the immune systems process of fighting pathogens and things like that. So inflammation isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm so glad you're highlighting that. I mean, it's it's truly beautiful physiology that our bodies are doing, even though it creates these unwanted side effects. Um, and inflammation is at the heart of that. Actually, the other last point too on symptoms that I've seen in athletes, I have seen this anecdotally, and now there are more surveys and more studies that are looking into this, is changes in the menstrual cycle as a result of receiving the vaccine. Um, So seeing it induce periods earlier, seeing athletes have um, lighter periods, heavier periods, more painful periods, more painful um, premenstrual symptoms. Um, So kind of, and there's a lot more research that's being done on this, but I think that's also an area for athletes to look out for. Does that depend at all uh at what point in the cycle that a woman gets her vaccine and and how does that impact how how that might play out Absolutely. I think it really depends. I actually don't think they know yet. So I think that's highly individualistic. I have seen athletes who get their vaccine right before kind of like the four to five days leading up to their period in the luteal phase or the last half of the menstrual cycle struggle more with PMS symptoms. And then I've seen athletes who get it earlier in the menstrual cycle sometimes have an earlier period. But again, this is all anecdotal. And there's a lot more research that's being done on this. Um, And the research is happening so fast, because you know, so many women are getting the COVID vaccine, and there's surveys and data analysis happening rapidly. So I think, you know, in the coming months, coming few weeks, we'll have a lot more answers on this too. Yeah, I can't wait for that. This is all so interesting. It's like we're trying to figure out the immune system for a particular uh, type of virus on the fly. And yes, exactly. It's it's challenging. Actually, what's interesting about it too is, is there's so much science being poured into this right now. And you can think about how these scientific applications and like the, even like the methodology that they're using for studies can get applied down the road, which is super cool. Like the science that we're doing right now is so high level and can also be used for other things down the road too. 
Well, this reminds me of like all the space programs, how all of the technology that they had to develop to put a man on the moon and do satellites and all that stuff. You know, you kind of think of like, well, who cares? Why are we doing this stuff? You know, why are we spending billions of dollars on it? And the return in technology that then goes commercial and just filters down through society. You know, if we didn't go to the moon, none of us would have a smartphone right now. And and I just think that is so fascinating and is such a, a, you know, a, a pat on the back for investments in science and research and development and all that stuff. Yeah, and we've been doing. There's been mRNA research being done for years on on different vaccines, and you know this this technology was ready at the forefront as a result of all of these years of hard work, and it's it's very cool to see it culminating in this process. I was just listening to a podcast. I forget what it was, but they were saying how the the next big pandemic virus that comes out, they want to have the time from when it's discovered to when a vaccine is available, which is just mind-blowing because normally it takes like four years at the minimum to create a vaccine. And we did it in maybe a little over a year. And so to then move to just a half of a year is just kind of mind-blowing. It, it is absolutely mind-blowing. And yeah, four years is for sure a minimum. It's, it's pretty unbelievable to see this process all unfold. So I want to talk a little bit more about COVID itself. And, and I think this might be a thornier issue because people respond to the virus itself in such a wide variety of ways, even more so than the vaccine. You know, some, some people are asymptomatic and they barely know that they have the virus while others, you know, are in the hospital on a ventilator fighting for their life. And, and I think that's what makes COVID so scary is its unpredictability. You just don't know how you're going to respond if you do get sick. So you know, if a runner gets that positive COVID test, how should we think about their running? Is, is it an immediate cessation of training or something else? I mean, how do we wrap our heads around this? That's a great question. Again, this is highly individual. And I feel that's kind of my catchphrase throughout this podcast. It's so individual. But I think for me, I as a coach always err on the side of caution with athletes about this. I think there there can be situations, you know, long COVID is out there. There can be situations with struggles with the cardiac system, with, with long-term issues with the lungs. And for me, it's never worth that one or two weeks of training when we could be building this, this trust that we're resting the body, that we're allowing the body to recover. And so I'm very cautious with athletes who have a positive COVID diagnosis, even if it's asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. I treat it more like I would a mild stress fracture, honestly, than I would a cold. And I'm just very cautious with athletes in the comeback. Um, That being said, I have had athletes who have only had to take four or five days off after having COVID and are back running and and doing fantastically. And then I've had other athletes who've had to take, you know, four weeks off and are still struggling with long COVID symptoms. And similar to the vaccine, it's pretty impossible to predict based off of their prior medical history or based off of, you know, kind of their prior running training, etc. So is there a, you know, like sort of like the guidelines that you had for when you get the vaccine, are there some standard guidelines that you have for taking time off or in terms of overall effort or intensity of the training that you are doing uh, when you do get that positive test result? We haven't given, and I I personally haven't given like more blanket guidelines like we did for the COVID vaccine for a couple of reasons. So I think one, it's really important to follow up and make sure that if you do have a positive COVID diagnosis and are asymptomatic, it's really important to get 
confirmation and like, you know, make sure that that test can be positive, given that, you know, our tests don't have perfect sensitivity and specificity. And it's really important to make sure and follow up and do your due diligence and make sure that the test is truly positive. And same goes, you know, if you have symptoms and get a negative test and say you've had exposure, I think it's really important to test again and make sure that you advocate for yourself as a patient in this process. But I think it's very hard to make blanket statements about how training should look for someone coming back from COVID. I think just be willing to take, I think there's, there's something magical that happens in the body when we have either full rest days or active recovery days in terms of the cellular response to stress and the ability to handle, you know, the COVID infection that's happening inside the body. And so I think just be really willing to take full rest days, to take active recovery days. And I think it's also confidence building too. Like, I don't think you want to look back on that process and say, oh my gosh, I wish I didn't run through this. Um, it's really helpful to know that you kind of gave your body that full fighting chance of, you know, of getting past this and moving on and, and going on and having, you know, succeeding in Running. Yeah. And, and the benefit of training through it is one to two weeks of training, which in the grand scheme of things, I know it feels like, you know, uh, in a monumental amount of time and you know, runners don't want to miss a single day of training. But I think in the long term, that just pales in comparison to the potential risks of making the illness worse or having some of those side effects that will really derail your training for even longer periods of time. Absolutely. I think the other thing I tell people who've been diagnosed with COVID and are running and maybe even if they're struggling with symptoms is, is that because COVID is all so new, we are all N equals one studies of COVID, especially high level runners, because we we don't have a lot of content. We don't have a lot of data out there about how runners are responding to COVID. And so it's really important to advocate for yourself in this process. Like if something doesn't feel right after you've had COVID, you know, go, go to a pulmonologist, go to a cardiologist, really, you know, go and get that full workup because like you should treat your body like a Ferrari, like a, a, a full sports car, the way that you are. And, you know, if a Ferrari had COVID, that would be in the shop for, you know, a few days, getting everything worked up and getting it figured out what's going on. Yeah, that that's a great analogy. You know, if you're if your body is a $200,000 sports car, you're probably going to treat it really well, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yeah, you're going to want to rest that and make sure you figure out everything that's going on and um, you know, just really do a deep dive on that. So let's talk about some symptoms like we did with the vaccine. Are, are there some symptoms that you know, if they're not too severe, you're more inclined to say that it's okay to run through. And then what are the symptoms where you're firmly on the the, the side of let us not train through this? Yeah. So for me, symptoms, that's, that's the, e- the easy one is, is symptoms let's not train through. So that's, I think, any chest pain, shortness of breath, fever, nausea, vomiting, um, let's not train through that. Um, and I think even, I think athletes are pretty good at understanding these severe symptoms. I think what's hard is kind of these like mild to moderate symptoms where athletes are like, well, you know, I'm not sure exactly how I'm feeling in this moment. Um, if athletes, honestly, for me, if athletes have any symptoms and are COVID positive, they're, they're resting under, under kind of like my coaching philosophy. Um, just because this is so much, this has the potential to have so much more damage than a cold or a flu. Um, and so I really say that anyone who is symptomatic and that can include things like mild headache, um, you know, light cough, uh, shortness of breath, uh, loss of taste, loss of smell, some of these other more common COVID symptoms. I I am always resting athletes in those, in those situations. All right. That is going to be hard for some athletes <laughs> to wrap their head around. Um, and, and you kind of answered this. And and so I was going to ask you if the symptoms were mild enough that, you know, there's no real risk of hospitalization. You know, someone seems to have a moderate case of COVID. It's not severe. At, at what point 
should we say, okay, it is safe to now resume their training? And it seems to me that the answer is no symptoms whatsoever. That is my answer. I would say this is, again, highly individual. I think this involves a lot of dialogue between a coach, an athlete, their doctor. I personally, I just ask the question, why? Like, why are we, if you have been diagnosed with COVID, you have been symptomatic, like, let's take a step back. Let's use this as a chance to let the body fully recover. Let's use this as a chance to let the mind recover. Um, This is a great opportunity to reset and kind of dial in what we're thinking about for the next couple of weeks, and next couple of months. So that's my personal approach. Just why? Like, let's be careful with this. I've seen too many athletes struggle with long-term symptoms of COVID that it's just not worth it. I would say for athletes, if you've been asymptomatic for two or three days, that's an okay place to, you know, try out a test jog. I certainly wouldn't go around and, you know, go, go out for an eight, 10 mile run immediately. I think it's just about working in, doing a nice little shuffle, getting out for 30 minutes is a great way to kind of test out the system. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, about, okay, you have been asymptomatic. You, you seem to be healthy again. What should your running look like when you first start back again? Should it kind of be almost like you're coming back from a stress fracture or an injury where, you know, that first run is almost like a diagnostic run. You're just kind of seeing how your body responds to running. And and like, what does that first week look like? I love the phrase diagnostic run. So I've never heard anyone use that before. And that's fantastic. So yeah, let's go with that idea. I like that. We'll, we'll prescribe a diagnostic run. So I think for me, a diagnostic run is getting out there 20 to 30 minutes. It can be depending upon how long someone has taken off. It can be a run walk, especially depending upon an athlete's background if they're run walking already. If an athlete is you know training at a high level, just going out there and, and running 30 minutes easy is fantastic. Athletes who have had a history of having heart rate data on runs, it can be helpful to use a heart rate monitor coming back from COVID. Um, I always recommend the chest strap. I don't see great results with wrist sensors on heart rate monitors Um, with the understanding that. So I've seen athletes coming back from COVID, their heart rate is sky high on these, what we call diagnostic runs or what you call diagnostic runs. I love this. Um, and sometimes actually it requires just working through that a little bit. You know, I think that sky higher heart rate comes from the fact that the body was just fighting off a big, a big, you know, antibody viral load and also the time off from running. And so I think it's really important to contextualize and just kind of get an idea and some data on, on what the body is doing. And it, and it sounds like if you're not dealing with any super high heart rate issues or, or really any physical problems related to the virus itself and, you know, you're otherwise are healthy, it seems like the main determinant of what your training should look like when you start running again is the amount of time that you took off from running, right? Exactly. That's a big component. I would say this too. So we talked before about how anecdotally I've seen some musculoskeletal, some Achilles tendon, hamstring tendon issues coming back from the vaccine. I have also seen the same thing coming back from COVID illness itself. And it's always a question, you know, when an athlete's returning back from a period of rest, you know, the body is a little bit more, the body's just getting back into loading, the body may be more at risk. But you also wonder too, if there's elements of COVID that are causing that as well. And so what I tell athletes is let's be careful, like, if you feel a nickel in this process coming back, let's also treat this really carefully too, because that could be an interaction of COVID causing some level of inflammation in your musculoskeletal system. I think a big theme of this conversation is number one, everyone is their own little N equals one study. There's so much variability. You really have to just see how you personally uniquely respond to both the vaccine or COVID if you get it. And then the other big theme too is be conservative. Let's not rush our training back. Let's not do things that 
are advanced or complex or challenging when, you know, we're just coming back from getting this vaccine. I love that. And I also think too, don't put pressure on yourself with racing. So sometimes too, I've seen athletes, it can take longer than, you know, so say an athlete took two or three weeks off coming back from COVID. It can take longer for that athlete to return than, you know, just taking two to three weeks off from injury. And that could be because that could be because, you know, the lungs are getting used to running again, the cardiac system was impacted. And so I think like, taking races immediately off the calendar can be helpful too. Sometimes I think if you're trying to rush back for a race on the calendar, it just accelerates this process in a way that may put too much pressure on the body and may cause the body to regress a little bit too. I think there's also a very big psychological component to this because if you have a race on the calendar, you feel pressured to get in shape for it. And I think that's only going to create anxiety, which is probably not good for your recovery, both from the vaccine or COVID. And we should probably just be kind to ourselves and and take a bunch of time off, uh, you know, after a vaccine or getting COVID and, and really not worry about the comeback, the, the comeback to running so that you can be race ready. Absolutely. And what I've seen actually, so I've seen some athletes who have raced in the middle of vaccine cycles. So, you know, they may get one dose and then are trying to figure out when they get the second dose. And it is actually okay to advocate for yourself. If you need to move that second dose, because you have a race coming up, it's okay to call the pharmacy. It's okay to call your doctor and try to move that second dose after your race. That way you're not impacted by the second dose on race day. And I've actually had athletes who have had great success with that. Oh, that's a good point. And, and hopefully not the day after the race, because you don't want to go in shelled, like you said. Exactly. Give it, two, give it two days. But, you know, I actually had an athlete who um, had a fantastic 100K. They were between their first and second dose. They wound up pushing their second dose off three days after their 100K. And it kind of worked out well because they were, then they were resting from the 100K, but their body was in a better state and they could then recover and, and build antibodies as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, Megan... Wow. This was a whirlwind of, of medical knowledge. Thank you so much. Uh, is there anything I missed that my layperson brain didn't think of that you'd like to add? No, I love this. I mean, you've been so fantastic on this conversation, but also all conversations. I think the other thing for me that's interesting during this time period is just how athletes have been impacted by mental health. Um, I've actually done some research on the levels of depression and anxiety that have increased during the COVID pandemic just as a result of all the uncertainty that we're experiencing and have been experiencing. And so I think just on top of this discussion too, like wherever you stand with mental health, like mental health is physical health too. Um, And I think those conversations are equally important as, you know, in addition to the conversations that we've been having here. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your knowledge, for just being such a positive influence in the running community. Um, I know everyone should definitely check out, uh, the articles that both you and David write for Trail Runner Magazine, your podcast. I always want to say some play, all work, <laughs> but it's some work, all play. And uh, it, that is just such a, an amazing podcast. You guys have great conversations, and I'm really glad that you guys started it just a couple years ago. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks. I mean, just again, just so grateful for everything that you do for the running community. And it's fun to talk to you. So thank you for this fun conversation and just for highlighting this topic too. Thank you, Megan. Talk to you soon. Take care. And that is my conversation with coach, doctor, and soon to be epidemiologist PhD, Megan Roche. I hope you've gotten your vaccine. And if you've contracted COVID, your recovery is swift. For additional resources, please visit the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention at cdc.gov. 
Our sponsor, Precision Hydration, has generously offered 15% off your first order with code STRENGTH15. Now, if you remember back to last year, I interviewed their founder and CEO, Andy Blow, about everything you can imagine about hydration in episode 147. Well, Andy was nice enough to set me up with a custom sweat test, and I learned a lot of new things about my body in the process. So I have known forever that I don't really sweat very much. But when I do, I've learned that I'm basically an outlier in terms of how salty my sweat is. So for those long efforts when it's really hot, I certainly have to pay far more attention to my electrolyte levels so I don't crash. Now, of course, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to hydration for athletes, which is why I love that Precision Hydration helps athletes refine their hydration strategy for whatever event they're training for. If you can't get a custom sweat test done, then no sweat. They have a free online sweat test that you can take at precisionhydration.com that will give you your own personalized hydration strategy. Now, it's heating up here in Denver, Colorado, where I am. We've just finished about five straight days of 100 degrees, and I'm ending my runs pretty miserable, a lot sweatier than when I where I was just a month ago. So I know I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to my hydration and my electrolyte needs, especially on any of these longer runs and when I get on my bike and go for long bike rides in the mountains. I'm very grateful that Precision Hydration offers a wide variety of products to help from tablets to packets to capsules. Check them out at precisionhydration.com. And don't forget that you can get 15% off your first order of electrolytes that match how you sweat by using the code STRENGTH15. That's STRENGTH15 at checkout to save 15%. That's our show today. Thank you so much for subscribing and hanging out with me today. I'm so grateful that you're part of this community. We'll be in touch soon. 